This podcast is produced by Spin Market and Digital. Welcome to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. We coach people every day on their money and how to plan for the future. As financial advisors, we're here to have an honest conversation and educate you on investing, retirement, and everything in between. And we'll throw in some sports talk along the way. Our mission and goal of this podcast is to improve your money journey and help you create the financial life you deserve. So let's talk money. And sports. Welcome back to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I am Bailey Ashbrook, sitting here with investment advisors, Cole Peterson. The host. The The host, host, Bailey Ashbrook. Thank you. The hostess with the mostest. That makes me feel special. And Cole Jasky. Recent county champ. Woo! Yeah, so, you know, just our listeners here they were giving me some constructive feedback that i have no energy at the beginning you know the podcast i'm like the direct guy let's Hi, like I'm l- cool let's get down to business so <laughs> you know, i just yes. love when you're like what's up guys hey, how we doing i know i gotta morning. get i gotta get rolling you know i'm like a like a train so yeah start. okay now now <laughs> quit being so modest you won the county championship golf tournament around here local golf tournament you're a lo- now a local legend first oh gosh. first county championship a shot 63 wow at the country club on sunday were you just feeling it were you in the zone yeah yeah it was pretty fun that's the best feeling felt like the you know uh, like i was gonna make everything but i do work you know just for the listeners think like anyone that knows golf like oh you shot 63 you must play golf all the time like i I live on the golf course but you know i do work quite a bit for our (laughs) non-golf crowd out there 63 is like i've never shot 63 Ever Never? at like Ida Grove Country Club, but not the yeah. Fort Dodge Country Club. And then also the course record is 61. Oh, shoot. Think if you would. So he was two strokes off a course record in a tournament where it's usually set up a lot harder than it is on a day to day basis. And, and generally, just tournament, I mean, your tournament scores are always going to be higher, generally. Just you so, were in the yeah, zone. Yeah, it was fun, man. It was, uh, I text you when I saw that. I was like, holy crap, it, it man, was 63. It was kind of like, uh, I always think of like, you know, when, like my group, I would play with like no one was really talking to me. You know, it was just like they They're knew like, I was in the zone. Alone. It's kind of yeah, like the like, pitcher thing. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like a pitcher with a perfect yeah. game yeah. going. Like, like you don't mess with them. Yeah. But it uh, almost like freaked me out because we're a pretty casual group. I was playing with. I'm like, that's yeah. weird. Was but, that the best you've ever scored there? Yeah, the shot country club by far. Yeah, I've shot like low numbers at like little nine hole golf courses that are really easy, but nothing like that, even close to that, and, and especially in a tournament. So yeah, it was fun. It was it was uh, headed Congrats. rolling. Yes, it was cool. That is cool. That is awesome. That's fun. And then our very own Caitlin Clark with the SB College. College athlete of the the year. That's so cool. Like, out of all the, that's just so cool, bringing it back to Iowa. Yeah, that's really cool to see. Well-deserved, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Caleb, I didn't forget you. We kind of got excited, and Caleb's here. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. I'm good. So... It is funny because our summer intern, Ben, who was on our last episode briefly, he's like watching these two like play golf. So he's an athlete, but now he's like, oh, to be in this business, you golf. So he's been taking <laughs> golf like he like it's so serious. Like it's so adorable. That's funny. But yeah. yeah what else is going on in sports real quick? Hey, the NL won the uh, all-star game for the first time in like nine years. So if my Cubs make the World Series, we got home field advantage. I'm, uh, you know, keeping positive is that attitude a, is that about a it. thing? Yeah. Whoever yeah. wins the yep. All-Star game gets home field? Yep. Absolutely. I've never heard that before. Me yep. either. That's the only league they do it in, I believe. So it's uh, it's it, you know, it's fun to see the NL uh, win the game. It was like 3-2. It was a real close game. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see the NL come out, come out on top. We watched, uh, you know, personal note here, we watched uh, the 
a home run derby, Kale and I. We did my, too. Yeah. My, oh, my seven-year-old, and, and we immediately, he's like, Dad, we got to go outside. And we went out. We live on the backside of a dri- the driving range at the golf course. So we go out, and that's where we'll play catch, like baseball and stuff out there because it's wide open. And uh, I have a bucket of balls. So he was trying to be, you know, home run, home run dude out in the out on the golf that's range. Adorable. Balls. It was so fun. It was awesome. And he's, like, doing the stuff those guys are doing. But did you see the kid that got – there was like a line drive though. They have the kids in the outfield yeah. and absolutely just got decked with a ball. Oh, really? like line drive. Yeah. That. It's pretty, pretty That's dangerous. Yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking they'll probably change that because of that situation. I don't know if what happened to him, but it was pretty crazy. Or, watching or, make, live. Him, or make him wear helmets yeah. or something like that. I mean, yeah. there, it was like a line drive, like in the outfield oh. and hit a kid like right in the head. That's very dangerous. Um, hey, and speaking of how was, I didn't even ask you, how was the baseball game in New York? Oh yeah! How was oh the yeah! Uh, it, it was amazing. Uh, the Yankee Stadium is everything is cracked out to be. New York's everything is cracked out to be. Um, you know, big cities don't bother me. Obviously, oh, I love going cities. to Chicago all the time. So, um, you know, we were not only there. Really, I mean, if you look at our time that we actually had to spend in New York, it was only two days, not near enough time. I mean, we were there a total of four days, three nights, but. Uh, there's so much to see in New York. It's unreal. And uh, I feel like we only scratched the surface and we never, like, we went down to ground zero. That's how I was on there. And got to walk around for 10 minutes. But I mean, there's a two hour tour that you can do. You just weren't there there long enough. Yeah. And and plus, we went to two Cubs Yankees games. So that took up a lot of the time. And, uh, but the Cubs took two out of three from the Yankees. So that was fun. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. Go Cubs, go. What a great experience. It was awesome. Okay, we're going to dive into it. All things markets. The markets. The S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ. What are they? What is the market? Yes, because we we obviously, oh, market's up today, market's down today. But for our listeners, I think we take for granted that like maybe they really don't understand each market and index and how they work and what it all means. So Some of the terminology. Well, yeah, right? let's get into it. Some of the terminology. Okay, the Dow. Cole P. Explain what the Dow is. Why is it the one mostly, I would say most widely followed yeah so the dow jones industrial average uh came out in like 1896 i believe and and i uh, i'm gonna read this off my phone because i didn't know this uh it was named after charles dow who created the index in 1896 along with his business partner edward jones interesting yeah that's yeah. probably why edward jones yeah, yeah. Edward yeah. Jones. <laughs> i would say that's probably what uh yeah, why why edward dow jones, jones. Yeah, sorry that was yep. like yeah, so it, it's only comprised of thirty stocks, which is is a very small number of stocks. Obviously, you think about the S and P five hundred; it's five hundred stocks, um, and and that's where I think if you're looking at the overall market, I don't think the Dow Jones is the best thing to look at. But it is the most common, wouldn't you say that? It's the most common that yeah. people that people quote or say like it's a Reference. common thing to say. But I I think if you're in the industry, most people follow you know the S and P five hundred, right? But exactly. yeah, I think the un you know, person that's not associated with the industry, they'll say, oh, how's the Dow doing? You know, that's a very common phrase we hear. Yes. Well, it's the, and that's the one that uh, our baby boomer generation grew up with. Yep. That was the only that's index good. to watch. So uh, they, they've they made changes over the, over the years. So when it started in 1896, there was only 12 companies in the index. And uh, by 1928, they had grown to 30. Uh, the longest tenured company that's in the index is Procter & Gamble since 1932 uh, most of them have changed a lot over time uh, the most recent change was in 2018 or sorry in 2020 uh, where there were uh, some stocks taken out and and other ones were putting in so so how they make the decision of what stock goes in the index is based on how those companies are doing and then 
if they have a they have negative impact on the market, then they may be taken out of the, the or, or their their market size. Like say their cap, you know, you look at how big they are, you know, too. If they get really small, or some companies will do, you know, spinoffs, or they'll divide into three business segments, maybe you know something like that. So they might you know remove one from the Dow. But just to put the thirty stocks into context, the New York Stock Exchange. So that's the largest exchange in the world. Now that's difference between exchange and index. I'm explain that, but the New York Stock Exchange itself is over 2,800 stocks. So think of how small, you know, yes, large 30 companies, but very small sample size of the overall New York Stock Exchange or Stock Exchange. And go into that because you were just going to say, I'm going to explain the difference between it, the stock market. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you're the same thing that maybe the older generation say, is it like the big board? Is it on the big board? That's something I've heard people say. And that's the New York Stock Exchange, like referring to that. That's that's not an index. No one really keeps track. And, you know, there's funds that keep track of like all, you know, all stocks on the New York Stock Exchange, but no one really follows that because it is so large. It's small companies, large companies, anything that can trade. Basically, that means you can trade that on that stock exchange or a firm or, you know, someone associated with the business can versus the Dow is an index, you know, that, that is. Explain what an index is though, for like the average listener, like for Caleb. It's a bundle of stocks, right? That Cole explained. He explained what comprises that, that Dow that you could buy in certain formats. You could go and buy all 30 stocks, but then you have to own each one, or you can buy the index, which basically means you own a percentage of each of those companies on how the index is, you know, the Dow is made up. I don't know what the, what's the biggest company in the Dow, Cole? Uh, I don't know that. I think it's, I think it's Apple. I think, or Apple's the biggest in the S and P 500. I assume it's the biggest in the Dow. Um, and you know, the Dow used to be the industrials is what it was, you know, originally time, but now it's, it's a lot different. There's tech companies in there. It's a wide range, but, um, so if you own that index, you know, and then you take the returns of those 30 stocks, you know, that's what over that year or whatever period of time you're looking at, that's the percentage return you get. Yeah. So, and I want to go back to the, like the most recent changes, like this is what happens is in August of 2020, Salesforce, Amgen and Honeywell were added to the Dow, replacing ExxonMobil, Pfizer and Raytheon technology. Yeah. Raytheon. Raytheon. Um, so they do make changes to it, but it is typically not a lot of change. So the, the other change before that was in 2018. So over the last five years, I made two changes, four companies. That's it. Um, so they're, 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 it's pretty consistently the same companies and the index is something that, that a lot of people follow and consider the market, even though it's only air, 30 air quotes, air quotes, air quotes. Air quotes <laughs> for, it's like representing how the market is doing. Right. But it's, but it's really not. Yeah. It's a small sample size, I think. And, right. and you look at the, I don't have, you know, I'm Mr. Stat guy. I don't have the year to date, um, Dow and S and P, but there's a huge difference this year. Um, versus last year was about what we consider a value year where value stocks. And I, we've talked about that probably in the past, but value did really well, uh, or better comparative to growth stocks, which mm-hmm. is more S and P NASDAQ type, which we're going to go into a little which bit further. I was further. just going to say the yep. NASDAQ. Okay. Cause Cole, you're loving the NASDAQ. Like for example, we have annuities and we're not going to get into that, but when we tell clients like, Oh, we're going to put you in the NASDAQ or we're going to spread it here. And that's and, an index. Yeah. And that's an, and I think people, we just assume they're like, Oh, okay. They're going to put me in the NASDAQ or I'm going to follow the NASDAQ. And like, what is the NASDAQ? So, the, so the NASDAQ is another 
index. Yep. Uh, that it's, a, can, it's actually an index and an exchange, which is weird, but you can, it's a little smaller size. So you can actually buy this exchange, which in theory is the index. So, right, right. <laughs> so you're confusing confusing the I know, yeah. I know, but well, you're I didn't make the, me, I didn't make the rule. I didn't make the rules up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the NASDAQ is, is comprised of uh, mostly tech and growth stocks. So I mean, think about tech stocks. Most people think of Meta or Facebook and Apple and IBM and everything like that. Um, But it also has some some growth stocks inside of that. And and it did bad last year. And the reason that I like it, or I liked it at the beginning of this year, and now it's up a bunch this year, is that it was so far down. And it, it wasn't really for any reason except that the market Everything was going down, and they just happened to do worse. So I thought that they had a longer road to, to recover, um, or not longer road, uh, uh, more room to come up to recover here uh, recently, and, and it proved right. Now, that I still think they have a long way to run. So it's a, it's a riskier uh, index than, than maybe the S&P 500, I would consider, but it is uh, definitely shown that it can grow over time. Okay, so Cole, you're mentioning growth stocks, and I know you, Cole J, said value, and I think we assumed, go into what growth and value stocks, the difference. Explain to him, yeah. Cole. And, and, and I'll put it in context of the the indexes, the, the markets we're talking about here. Cole's talking about the Dow. The Dow is more widely considered more of a value index. It's got stocks that pay dividends. They maybe have very, you know, not as high, you know, earnings growth each year, but they're profitable. Generally, value stocks Stable. are- stable, profitable companies. So you think of ones like you mentioned, like Procter & Gamble is one of the oldest in the Dow that's been around for for 100 plus years. They've raised their dividend for like 81 years straight, something crazy like that. Widely considered a value stock. Doesn't really grow. You're not going to have a 35%, 40% year in Procter & Gamble unless it's coming off a super low point for some reason, generally. But you're almost guaranteed a dividend. So yeah. what a dividend is, and I'll, I'll explain that real quickly, is a dividend pays you on that stock. So if the stock is worth $10 and they're going to pay a 5% dividend, obviously you're going to pay 50 cents on that $10 stock. And then that Good math there. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, did I do that right? No, you did. <laughs> I was, I was just thinking, I was like, Oh yeah. One number. Most people use a hundred, you know, just yeah, use it, so yeah. I like it. $10. Yeah. hundred dollars would be $5, obviously. Um, So that 50 cents, they're going to pay to you. And you can take it a couple of different ways. You can take it as, you know, uh, a a check from the company, um, or you can reinvest that stock. And that's what most people do. You can reinvest that dividend and buy more stock. Uh, So value stocks tend to grow less rapidly uh, as far as their stock price, but they're going to pay more dividends so you can accumulate more shares over time. I always compare it to cash rent. You can, you know, you own a farm. And that farm can go, you can make two ways, make money. That farm can go up from 10,000 an acre to 12, or it can pay you $300 an acre in cash rent. That's the equivalent to your dividend, you know, in that, in in that point. I always use that when I'm explaining dividends. Most people, you know, like, oh yeah, I get that. Or owning a rental house, same type of deal. Now on the, on the other side of that is growth, right? And that, that'd be more the NASDAQ. Cole said, Hey, they're growth heavy stocks. That means their, their revenue growth, if you look underlying of their companies or their business models, they probably have a very good opportunity of growing or they're growing very rapidly. They might have 100% revenue growth year over year, things as such. So generally, they, they're more higher flyers. They can go up higher. They can go down higher because- Risky. Yep. The market's paying, right? The stock market's a capital market. They're, and really, it's a, they're, you're saying, hey, I think that company deserves a higher value because it has the opportunity to potentially be- you know, really high revenue, 
and then turn into really profitable at some point. And that's where the NASDAQ is comprised of more of those type of companies versus the Dow or companies that are already probably generally all profitable, pay a dividend, you know, in general terms. So it's a difference. So they're not going to get as high of, you know, rapid appreciation in the stock price because, you know, they're pretty stable. And, and those growth companies don't typically pay exactly. a, a dividend at all or a very small. they're putting all back in the company. Correct. The they're growth. putting yep. all back into, you know, a research and development or all kinds of different ways. A lot of times they're, they're not profitable. Yeah, they're not profitable. Or they're yeah. not profitable. Because, because yeah. they are trying to spend, 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 spend to grow. Amazon's a great example of that. They've done a ton of spending. They obviously, if they wanted to be pro- like show a really high profit, they could, they could. flip. Yeah. They could control expenses, but they're like, nope, we're investing in our business. We're growing. And the market has since said, okay, you deserve, you know, a higher stock price because we see that future growth. We know that, that yeah. you're worth it. Yep. yep. Yeah. And instead of Amazon saying, hey, we're going to pay our stock holders this uh, 5% dividend, they're going to take that 5%, that huge dollar amount and put it back into the company and do, you know, build more buildings that they're warehousing, hire more people, whatever they're doing, uh, they're going to put it back into the business. So it's just a different way for businesses to operate and it's a different way to invest. All right. We got the Dow. We got the NASDAQ. S&P. Yeah. So the S&P 500, right? That's another one. I would say that's the index that I most commonly watch. I mean, I, I would say my portfolio is more tailored to like NASDAQ growth stocks. I'm, you know, I'm pretty risk averse, so I'm comfortable with with that, but the S and P, when I'm looking at client portfolios um, that are maybe you know I'm comparing them to you know their equity side of their portfolio, uh, I'm going to refer to the S and P 500, and that uh, that is the largest 500 U S companies, um, and that's composed in, into an index. And, you know, in theory, that is not a, an exchange. You just I we're think talking we're about that. people yeah. like yeah. okay, someone's sitting there right now. I'm like, what's a market? What's yep. an index? Which one is which? And just think the the exchange is really just where. You don't see this, but where the money's actually trading hands, that you know, stands, yes. yeah. I was like doing this a place. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It, it's a place. In a place to really all, all the, you know, wherever you have your money, whether it's Vanguard or Royal Alliance or whatever the broker dealer, they're trading at these exchanges. That's where the stocks are really, you know, going. It used to be the, you know, what you'd see on TV. See, that's the cool what I was thing just going to they're, they're like all you know, sweating, yeah. piled in. <laughs> yeah, sweaty. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't really happen anymore. <laughs> you refer to that. It's weird, though. You think of that exchange image. You do think of like, you know, people yelling and sweatiness. And, uh, that's all I yeah. think of. But yeah. but that's that the S&P 500, probably the most widely invested in index because it's available in almost every 401k. They have an index fund that matches the S&P 500. And really what that is, they're mimicking though the yeah, S&P 500, same type of decision-making process. You can, you know, I don't know, Cole and I were just discussing, we don't exactly know how, who's making those decisions of who's allowed in the S&P or Dow. We should do that research and we come should, back. Like yeah, a- Cause I don't know, is there a committee, you know, somewhere that's making that decision, but it is a big deal when a company says, Hey, we're going to be in the S&P 500. You it's hear a fortune 500 companies. I mean, that yep. that's where that comes from is. And then they're in that index that then, you know, people across the country are putting money into and they're buying the index is buying some shares of whatever that company is. So it, it is a big deal um, and and very widely followed, I think, uh, across the board. Right. And the bottom 10 to 20 stocks move in and out pretty frequently in the S&P 500 because companies grow at different rates, obviously. Uh, so th- those aren't those aren't uh, decided on necessarily as good or bad. They're just the top 500. Yep. Um, and they and they base the uh, the value of that company on market capitalization. Uh, which is the value of the business, right? Yeah, and that's that's where I, I think people market 
cap weighting. That's a term that you hear in our business. That's something that I don't think everyone knows nor should need to know, but it is important to understand that when referring to the S&P 500. Because Explain that. The S&P 500 is just the normal one. You you can own what's called an equal weight, and I'll go into that after this, but the S&P 500 is market cap weighted. So it's what that means is the largest companies make up the bigger percentage of that. So for example, um, the a- Apple is about 7% of the S&P. Don't you know, take my math exactly. It's, it fluctuates daily based on the stock price, you know, so, but really, um, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, and Facebook, I believe are the top five, um, right now. And they're, they're roughly 25% of the S and P 500. And that's called, uh, that's called Fang. Have you ever heard that term? Yeah. Yeah. Facebook, Amazon, What's the well, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix used to be in the used to be, yep, yep, used to be in there. And Netflix then Google, is, which turned <laughs> is Alphabet, changed, Google, yeah, yep. Alphabet now. So I think uh, Netflix is still in the in the top ten in there. But that's mm. one thing where you look at that, and a lot of that return, you know, is coming from it's, those top ten companies. Off those ones. Really it, driven by those top companies, and, right? and that's why the, generally the Nasdaq, S and P are relatively similar in return. Generally, because the same thing, the Nasdaq, or if you buy that, it's got market cap weighting too. No, you can buy what's called equal weight. Yeah, um, and and that's basically where you, you, there's equal weight indexes out there. You own all 500 companies equally. So it's 0.1% or what across the board or whatever it is for that index. But that is something you can buy, but generally then you're getting even returns where right now it's been very beneficial to own Apple in these top companies. So the last 10 years, you'd want to be in a market cap weighted one. Awesome. Absolutely. And now we have the crypto market. Not to get too in the weeds to that, but I saw it went up, but we do have that market as well. Do you guys want to go into that? Yeah, you know, I, I think our knowledge base is pretty limited, but there's some news on it. I know with, um, you know, tied to the regulation, right? I don't know the exact stuff, but it, it did go up pretty positive the last couple of days based on this. There was a you know, ruling that it is going to be treated more like a security, which I think is a good thing for protection of fraud and certain things, there's going to be some actual regulation and probably a ton to come. I'm and sure. There, and there needs to be I mean, the, the cryptocurrency market is it's the reason we don't have a great knowledge of it is because we don't, we're not able to sell it, trade it, do anything with it as licensed financial fiduciary advisors. We can't do that. So, um, cryptocurrency is something that is, is still kind of in the clouds. Like we're, it, it's something we can't reach. Um, so it's not something that we are going to spend our time researching and, and finding a bunch of information about now, naturally we hear about it all the oh. time because people ask us about it and, and, and it hasn't, uh, you know, it used to be a really hot topic like two years ago, but then, then it all plummeted and it, now it's coming it's back. It's cooled down quite a bit. I mean, the, especially the last year, I would say, which it's Bitcoin, just that's the one, only one I really see it stayed around the same price for the last, you know, for the basically the last year. So, and then it came down from like 66,000 down to like 12,000. Yeah. So if you were buying at 60,000, that's a tough, you've got a but lot you of weight to do. But you see it when you look at the, yeah. you know, you pull up your Apple or whatever, yep. you see your stock exchange. Or it's a headline. Or indexes, you can see it. It's always a headline. Yep. Well, yeah. And, and cryptocurrency isn't part of any of the indexes right. or, or NASDAQ or anything like that. Now, whether the companies that are, are in the NASDAQ are investing in cryptocurrency, that might be something that, that might be Coin, happening. Coinbase, for example, they're, they're in the NASDAQ. Mm-hmm. They're an actual talking about exchanges they're an exchange that you can buy you know cryptocurrency on so they're right. they're a stock so their that's profits so, are based on people buying and selling yep, cryptocurrency yeah. so kind of indirect exposure and that that's people do have that you know across the board so that volatility things it's it's a uh, crazy you start thinking of the reach of the market like down into you know that it has 
So Okay, so we know there's more indexes. There's more out there. This is but the top three we just went over. Let's do a little recap. So we have the S P, which is it's top the largest five hundred US companies. Dow Jones. Is thirty companies that are large cap companies that they're picking basically into be in the index. The Nasdaq. Nasdaq exchange and index uh growth a lot i don't even know how many are in there but a lot of growth stocks primarily a lot of the tech stocks a lot of tech, 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 yep. tech, heavy. tech heavy okay so we've explained them okay i'm a client how are the markets doing today well like which one you know what i mean explain to them maybe what to look at what to follow what what's how much is the dow up today cole yeah so i i, I would say that the one and i agree with cole like the one i look at the most is the s p 500 because i think it's it's more of a vision of actually what's happening with uh the quote unquote again air quotes for our, our, our podcast but the actual market uh because if you look at just the dow it's only 30 companies so it's not a real good snapshot of what's actually happening um and the nasdaq uh, those are not the top 500 companies there's a lot of small companies and also large companies so uh i would say that's not the quote unquote market either because they're all growth companies so the s p 500 has a mixture of growth and value and it's the top 500 companies so that's what I would look at. Same here. That's exactly, I'm going to, I'm going to co-sign on that one. Hey there listeners. This episode of how to money with Cole and Cole is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but for me, finding the work-life balance of being a husband and father and working a job has been so rewarding, but it also can be so exhausting. And that's why it's important for me to take care of my health and not just my physical health, but my mental health. And that's where therapy comes in. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service. And you know what's great about it? It's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of challenges. To get started, you just have to answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you with more scheduling flexibility at a more affordable price. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com CFG to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, dot com slash cfg all right let's do a little dollars and cents dollar dollar bills y'all i feel like cole j always gets dollars and cents and he gets his little notebook look at him if you watch us on youtube which you know do but look how it's his he thing he's <laughs> such a stat dork <laughs> well i love it so we've talked i'm gonna get into the content here guys okay so We've talked primarily about the equity market, stock market. I'm going to talk about bonds for a second. That's a hot oh, topic. A real exciting topic Yeah, yeah here. sorry for, you know, but uh, headline, no bonds for boomers. So this is, this is a stat, you know, quote unquote, um, stat guy taken from Vanguard. Uh, I found this very interesting because of the last two years, and we're talking about indexes, returns, a lot of stuff here. Uh, Vanguard had a, had a stat here. Investors older than 55 had at least 70% of their portfolio allocated to stocks compare that number back to 2011 that was only that number was only 38 percent. so what that means is you know people 55 and above are a lot more aggressive you know or have a lot more stock exposure 
than they had, you know, a decade ago or, you know, 2011, which to me, you know, we were kind of saying, why is that? Why would they still be aggressive at this age? I think a little bit of it is, um, you know, obviously what happened to the bonds last year, bonds got just absolutely knocked out last year. Interest so, rates. Maybe explain yep. why. Yeah. Could interest rates. Listen. I mean, bond, bond values have an inverse relationship to interest rates. So if interest rates, short-term or long-term rates go up, generally bond prices, you know, depending on if it's a long or short-term bond are going to go down. Values, the values are now. And that's really, we had a lot of that last year. I think some of it is though, uh, in getting deeper into the weeds, I think the older generation actually has gotten more adept to making some of their investment decisions and maybe just naturally, you know, and that's what some of this, you know, study we, I went into it, it says that they're making a little bit more versus younger generation, you know, which you should be all, you know, at that point of younger, you should be more aggressive. You got more time. Um, but that's some of it's that, but I think a lot of it's the impacts of what interest rates, things that have happened, inflation the last two years. And I think people understand what stocks actually are. When you, when you, if I just went to Caleb and said, what is a bond? Explain a bond to me. He, I don't know if you could. I mean, do you think you could? I no. could not, <laughs> you know, true. And, and I think people understand what a stock is and, and they understand that they're volatile. Well, bonds were just as volatile last year. And, and I think that maybe the older generation has also seen the run up in stocks and they're like, okay, now we understand that there's fluctuations, but still over time, I'm going to make more money in the stock market. Why would I stick my money in bonds um, and cut this coupon that is, is worth, you know, 10 years ago or two years ago, sorry, was worth 3%. Now it's higher, but uh, why would I take 3% when I know that I can average 8% in the market as long as I can handle the volatility? I was yep. just going to say, understand I mean, that they can understand and some people volatility. Can't. Um, yep. Some people can't. And, and that's, you know, when we're dealing with clients, if they, they can't understand the volatility, then we don't put them in that situation. But if people can with, with you know, uh, withstand the volatility, we're going to, you know, at least have part of their portfolio in the stock market. Are you going to explain to Caleb what a bond is? I mean, because the title is the boomers and bonds. Yeah, I, bond. The best way I could explain it, I I relate it to a CD at the bank, right? You give the bank hundred thousand dollars, they're going to pay you an interest rate of three percent or five percent, whatever it is, for a period of time. They might say one year, two years, six months. Bond is the same thing, and then that bank's probably going out. They're either putting it in their reserves, right? They're taking that money and maybe lending it out to a customer that wants a commercial loan. A bond, exact same thing. School, public school wants to spend $30 million on a school. They've got to find that money. They're going to sell bonds. That's a debt instrument that they go and raise that $30 million. And, and in turn, they're going to pay you 5%. And it might be a 10-year bond. And they say, okay, we're going to, you're going to give us $10,000. We're going to pay you 5%. At the end of 10 years, we'll give you your 10000 bucks back. The difference is a lot of people don't hold it until the end of that five years. You can so sell it. Yes. You can sell it and then the value can increase or decrease based on interest rates. And if you're selling the bond at a at a lower price, obviously, then you lost money on it. But if you hold it to uh, the end of the term and, and get your par value back is what it's called, you you would get your all your money back. The but, percentage they guarantee. And over that, so example, that would be, so say you bought that 10-year bond two years in that paid Five percent. Two years later, that same ten-year bond on a new school is paying seven percent. What's the value of your bond on the market? It's, it's lower. probably it's lower, right? Because the new. Why would someone pay your old bond what they could get a new bond for? So that's that's how what kind of happened last year. Or think of where rates went. Bond prices were paying or bond uh, interest rates were paying like almost nothing. <laughs> 
and people had 20, 30 year bonds and rates went up to where bonds were paying 5%. So no one wanted anything for those old bonds. So a lot of people, you know, really are digging themselves out of holes still, you know, on the bond market. So now those old bonds are basically worthless unless you hold them as long as the term is. Yep. And which you can, that's the good thing with a, you own a good quality bond or whoever the issuer is of that bond, as long as they have good debt or good credit rating, you just hold it to maturity. You're going to get your money back plus your interest rate over the time. Just okay. So Caleb, you got yeah, all that, I was right? just going to say that. So definitely. Totally understand. Okay, I just wanted to give later. a listener that too, because you're saying boomers are avoiding bonds. So let's talk about boomers. So what is the average, what do we say? Cause we, we looked into this, the average retirement savings of a boomer. Yep. So baby boomers, um, from the data we were pulled, uh, pulled, it was, $365,000 was the average retirement balance of a baby boomer. Oh, in their, I think it was Fidelity was the source that we yep. pulled that from. So um, so that was in their retirement accounts. Uh, so not not saying what they have outside of retirement accounts. This was in their retirement accounts. So IRA, 401k, uh, what they have saved up for retirement. Their nest egg. Okay, because we've been talking a lot about benchmarking in the indexes. So do you think that's enough? Well, do you live in Fort Dodge, Iowa, or do you live in Phoenix, Arizona? No, and that's a good point because we talk about this a lot. Like, what? How much do you need in retirement? And yeah, it's it's so variable, and, and I know we 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 kind of give that disclaimer all the time. It's like it's all based on your situation, um, and how and how much you are willing to or wanting to spend in retirement, uh, how much you're not wanting to spend in retirement, and what your what your expenses. You know, is all your debt paid off? Is it? Is, do you still have a house payment? Do you do you pay rent? You know, there's so many different factors, but I would say that 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 is a um, not shockingly low amount, but for as for Iowa, but if you live in California, that's probably a shockingly low amount. That'd be tough. And in the inflationary period, we just went through where you know now it, I know it's pulling back a little bit. We got some good data here, but you look just what inflation does on that money. If you're not earning, you know, a good rate of return and inflation's at three, four, five percent, you're really not going anywhere. And then if you're taking anything out for income, you're really going backwards. So longevity is always a risk there of, of really knowing that you're saving, doing the calculations on, hey, what do I think I'm going to spend? How long do I think I'm going to live? Um, you know, it's really important to make sure you're you're having those conversations. And we, we get that question all the time. Do I have enough saved up? Yeah. Will I have enough saved up? And that's interesting too, going back to that, that boomers having more in the stock and being able to stomach that. Are they doing that because they want their money to last longer? Are they okay with that? Do they don't feel like they have enough money and they're trying to make it up? There's like so many variables in that. And, and, it, and it comes down to also like, how are you invested? If you're invested all your 365,000 in a uh, you know money market that's paying 2%, do I think you have enough Probably not because it's not going to grow enough for keep up with your expenses over time. Now, if that 365,000 is maybe not all in the stock market, but in a, in a nice uh, balanced portfolio with, with some stock and it's going to maybe average over seven, 8% per year, then, then maybe you do have enough because we're going to be able to keep up with the withdrawals that you're going to be able to take out, but we're 2% probably it will not. And I was thinking this too, because what'd you say? How, the boom, how many boomers are managing their own investments versus Gen Z? Is that the one you referenced? Yeah. So um, it said this was from Fidelity. Is that fifty three percent of their of baby boomers pick their own investments compared to forty two percent of Gen X and twenty five percent of millennials? Which oh, wow. I think that number would be the other way around. In my yeah. mind, I, like I, you would think millennials would be the ones they have access to technology or, you know, buying on Robin hood or whatever it might be. So yeah, in I'm reality, gonna, boomers are making more of their investment decisions than, than younger, the younger generation. I'm going to put Caleb on the spot. Why, why do you think that is Caleb? Cause that's, that's your generation. Like, why do you think that 
the generation that you're in does not pick or does not does not do their own investing, I guess. Well, first of all, I'm Gen Z, not Gen X or Millennial. So you're, oh! young, you're younger than those. <laughs> <laughs> but Aged us all. Wow. That Gen Z, man. They're yeah. okay. direct. Right. Maybe it's different for you because that stat's not in yeah, there. But, well, but most, obviously it's, it's, it's going Zers down. Most Gen are younger than me because I'm yeah. on the front end of Gen Z. So um, people just don't care enough to do their research on their own and they'd rather just make somebody else do it. I mean... I don't That's know. Fair. Or how many boomers are just, uh, their retirement accounts are just sitting there and they haven't looked at them. You know what I mean? And they're saying they're doing it. I mean, I, th- there's so many variables we don't know, but that is a very interesting statistic. But my point is when you get closer to retirement and you're in that gap, like knowing your portfolio, what, what the implications are if it's fluctuating too much and can you handle that? Or do we need to lock some of this up and keep some of these gains? Like these are great questions to ask yep. your advisor. I think part of that might also be so many people are wrapped up into what they're doing in their retirement account, their 401k, their, their IRA, that they're not investing on their own where, you know, 50 years ago, people didn't have the option of, of doing that. So they started investing in the stock market or mutual funds or so, so they were, so that baby boomer generation grew up with buying mutual funds from your local, you know, financial advisor, from the person at the bank and doing non-qualified money in that. And, and the generation that Caleb and, and even uh, us in this room were in, automated. We were all, more. Well, yeah, we're taught to save in our 401k or IRA and in a non-qualified account is almost unheard of. That's a good point. Yeah, that's probably a lot to do with it because I bet that if you broke down those numbers and they're where that money is actually allocated, you'd probably see more non-qualified or non-retirement dollars in the baby boomer, you know, which is common sense. You know, they're going to have more money anyways, just based on age, but that's probably some of that stat. Also, do you think it could have something to do with just the, um, the older you get, the closer you get to retirement, maybe say some of these older people they feel like they don't have enough saved and so they're like oh i can do it myself and i can make more yeah can, like they I don't want to go talk to someone i can be like, smarter about it and be more aggressive about it than if i went and talked to somebody like one of you guys and i was just gonna say that Absolutely. too maybe like the accountability because you you can you can just go buy an index follow it invest it and there's nothing wrong with that a lot of people do that but i do think just working with someone and discussing like where your portfolio is at and like planning ahead and like the accountability of it they are harder. To, I will just say, I'm just thinking of like, like scenarios, baby boomer clients, definitely tougher a lot of times to, if they need to make bigger changes to get them to commit to those changes, changes versus, hard. and maybe that's, you know, coming from their experience, they feel like, you know, versus a younger person, a lot of times will take some advice pretty easily. Yeah. Generally, they're like, they're tell not, me yeah, what to yeah, do. yeah. Help me out. Like get this started, go, you do it, you know, and versus, and now I have baby boomer people that aren't that way either, but I will say the tougher ones. I'm like, how oh, you really Tough need crowd. to, you really need to do this. You know, a lot of times it's them that are pushing back or that age generation that's uh, pushing back. And it could be just generational on how they and, make and, decisions. And maybe a little more trust with that because they haven't seen the, you know, there's so much regulation now that, that the, the, the old, the baby boomer generation has seen the scams and the Bernie yeah. Madoffs so and all that true. stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't even know if Caleb, have you ever heard of Bernie Madoff? No, give him a okay. thirty. Second. So Bernie Madoff created a Ponzi scheme and and uh, took a lot of people's money and it, he was a trusted financial advisor. Um, Fifty and, billion and, dollars. Yeah. So like so uh, people in uh, the baby boomer generation have seen Ponzi schemes, things like that, where now again things are so heavily re- regulated that your group maybe just be like, oh well, they know what they're doing, so I'll just give them our money and have them do it. And, um, where that baby boomer may say, I don't know if I'm, this is for real or a scam. 
So and we yeah. do because the older people are you a fiduciary? Are you a fiduciary? Yeah, it's they're like, the ones that are asking that. Yep. Like that means which our, is a great question. Yes, yeah, but should ask it. Uh, you should, but a lot of older generation keep and they will not get off that because they want to make sure. Can I trust you? Are yep. you going to do what's right? Where I feel like the younger generation just trust you. They don't even like really understand that. I mean, they understand it, but they just know you. Like it's okay, they're quicker to quicker yeah. to trust probably. Yes. At, at I times. would say so. so. Yeah. Behavioral finance. That's a that's a topic yeah. we are gonna. We I'll, really need to get a guest on yep. for the behavior. Pre- Part, but that's great. That was a good breakdown of all the markets. Do you have you any? Quote? I got. I was gonna. I was gonna oh. ask a question. Oh yeah, please do. Do so you have any upcoming um, golf tournaments or anything that we should uh, know about? Um, not not really. No. We got the the member. You know, our member guest is in August. Um, that's a that's always that's a little different. You play a team, but that's always a really fun thing. But other than that, the golf season's pretty you know pretty wind down. I might play one or two more things, but nothing crazy. It, it wraps up right around the 4th of July. Okay. Uh, so it's it, 4th of July and then the county tournament, which I didn't play in because I was in New York. But uh, there's not a lot of tournaments after this. Um, we'll just uh, go out and have some fun. <laughs> Wait, yep. cool. Your, you be- your best squad's coming to play with you in a couple weekends. This is your A team. What are you talking about? Me, the Molly. Alliance, <laughs> the Gruff Alliance <laughs> golf outing. Yeah. No, no. Cole's it's a different tournament. with me and his wife. And me and Molly, we like... Just we're there for a good time. Hey, I, I won a tournament with you and Molly one time with the Growth Alliance outing, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. That's great. Achievements on the golf course are not what matters. Decency and honesty are what matter. Tiger Woods. Go Cubs. You've been listening to How to Money with Cole and Cole, the podcast of the Central Financial Group, courtesy of Spin Market. To learn more, visit their website at www.centralfinancialgroup.com and follow them on all their social media platforms. For now, I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. And we'll see you on the greens. Four. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associations Incorporated. Material discussed is meant for general informational purposes only, and it is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification does not insure against loss. Any guarantees discussed refer only to fixed insurance products and are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company.